Good day to you ladies and gentlemen and welcome to Film Focus, episode 112, the top 10 films of 2020. Ladies and gentlemen of the North, South, East and West, and welcome to another episode of Film Focus. I'm your host, the Hypersonic 55, and I'm glad that you decided to join me once again for some film-related discussion. And here we are, ladies and gentlemen. 2020 is nearly over. We're almost there, but this is the final day. It's December 31st at the time of recording, and yo, like a lot of other people, I'm ready for this year to be done. The year has been really odd for films. Like a lot of people, I was one of those sort of guys running around in the cinema, having the best time of my life over in Canada. And then when I came over here for what was supposed to be just a short two-week excursion, I got stuck. And then the cinemas closed down. And then they opened up, but then they got closed down again. And then most films got released on streaming or had, like, uh, you know, those prices that you had to pay in order to get access. And for the longest time, I'm like, meh. I don't feel like watching any films, but then I'm just like, well, I actually have a podcast to do, so I really should look into these things. And I'm annoyed that it took me so long to get some of these uh, entries on places like Amazon and Netflix, because there have been some fabulous movies showing up left, right and center. It's just been a case of trying to find them all. And while there are a number of things that won't be on this podcast just because time wouldn't permit me, and as a gamer and illustrator as well, trying to divide your time between all these different things is very very difficult especially when you only have a handful of time to yourself to get this kind of stuff done throughout the day it's just been a really really messy time over here at film focus but hopefully i will improve but yeah we're not here to talk about my personal life you want to know what my top 10 of the year is like right and yes this list has been incredibly difficult to make because initially it was just a case of oh throw anything on there because there's not really much on my list to begin with but then by the time we got to november and i was starting to tally up some of the newer films i was watching i'm like oh crap i actually have a lot on here and then trying to shuffle them around was proving to be difficult but i've settled on my list and hopefully you'll find them good so what we're going to do is start with the honorable mentions because i have 10 honorable mentions this year and then we'll move on to the actual top 10 itself so without further ado ladies and gentlemen sit back relax and we shall do this thing all right first up in the honorable mentions is tenant a film that i still have mixed feelings on while the visual side of it was amazing the presentation was really good i really like those action sequences the film score from ludwig Göransson was amazing and the performances from John David Washington, Robert Pattinson, and Elizabeth DeBecky was really great. Overall, the story, I was intrigued, but not overly satisfied with the end result. And it also didn't help during my film experience that I couldn't actually hear a lot of the time what was going on because of the crazy background sound which was going on. I've heard the experience is better on Blu-ray, DVD, and like, you know, home video streaming services because you actually have subtitles. I'll eventually go back to it, but I don't feel the need to do it right now. And then you have Bill and Ted face the music. A good little film which felt a lot better than a lot of these other long-term sequels. It had the right heart, it had a good message. It was great to see the boys back and seeing their daughters and death was really fun. I had a lot of fun with the movie. It wasn't like, you know, super amazing for me, but it was still a good time. And then there was Borat 2, which 
I had a lot of fun with. Surprisingly so, because at the time when the first Borat film came out, I was like, yeah. But then I watched it, and then I watched the sequel pretty much straight afterwards. And I thought it was fun seeing Borat and his daughter get up to all these crazy hijinks, which was all sorts of strange, silly, shocking, but also hilarious stuff. It was fun. I actually enjoyed it more than the original, but I know I am in the minority with that department. And then there's The Social Dilemma. I quite enjoyed this film. As someone who is an avid user of, you know, internet-related stuff, especially social media, seeing several of these people who were involved with these companies during the early phases and then saw what it evolved into was quite intriguing. There was all this sort of stuff about algorithms, how certain things were created but then morphed into something else, and how there's a lot more sinister stuff going on in the background. It's definitely worth a watch. And then there's Extraction. The Netflix action film with Chris Hemsworth, which I was intrigued about watching, but then I heard sort of good to mix things, so I sort of left it on the back burner, but then I eventually watched it in the summer, and I was like, you know what, this film is actually pretty kick-ass, you know? It didn't reinvent the wheel, but it had a great presentation, especially in the visual department. The way in which it had that crazy action sequence, which was almost like a continuous shot from the housing areas to a race sequence to stopping and starting again. It was mad, very well done, very well executed, and I had a lot of fun with that one. And then you have Sonic the Hedgehog, my boy. This was on my top 10 for a while, but then some of these newer films started to bump it off the list. I know in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't really do much more than what we've come to expect from these live action CGI hybrid films for kids where there's a main dude hanging around with like some anthropomorphic animal related dude but but Sonic the Hedgehog had enough heart and fun and decent references to the game and even like certain elements that weren't in the recent video games which I think Sega should really incorporate and plus it had my favorite post credits scene of any film I've seen for a while so Sonic was fun man it was a good time and another film that was fun was Bad Boys for Life I went into that film expecting, you know, nothing special, but that film was one of the most hilarious experiences I've ever had in recent times. Just, I love seeing Will Smith and Martin Lawrence back. They still have that comedic timing, their pairing is great, and seeing what they did with the story and try to add a little bit more depth to it was pretty fun. It's not as ridiculous as Bad Boys 2 and not as original as Bad Boys 1, but it has that sort of good energy. And it's just really fun. I had a lot of fun with this movie. And yeah, I, I would recommend it. And then there's the documentary Robin's Wish, which is a documentary about Robin Williams, um, about his life, especially during the later days as he was, you know, sort of ready to disappear from the world, essentially. It was very interesting to hear these um, accounts from his wife, his friends and family, and see this great force who brought so much joy to the lives of people in many different forms slowly started to wither away and it made me sad so sad but also it was just really emotional and nicely done i've heard that there was actually some behind the scenes drama as you know his daughter zelda didn't actually want the film to be made and there's like more stuff going on with the mother but i still feel like the documentary was pretty solid and finally we have the invisible man the film on this list I really didn't want to take off my top 10, but there was just a few other films that resonated with me on a higher frequency. But The Invisible Man it was such a good time in the cinema. I've never heard so many people scream and shout and laugh together because there was all sorts of crazy people in the cinema reacting to all the jump scares and crazy moments in the cinema. It was a good time. 
And as someone who just wasn't captivated by the trailers, this film really won me over. The performances were really good, especially from Elizabeth Moss. I really liked the sort of twists and turns that came with the film, and that ending was really good. I had a lot of fun with that movie. It's really solid, and yeah, just a good time. Alright, so starting with number 10, we have Leftover Women, a film that I wasn't aware of until recently, where I happened to see it on Google Play and just decided, you know what, the premise for this sounds pretty interesting. And I watched it and I was like, my god, that was a fascinating experience. So this documentary follows the lives of three hopeful women who want to find love on their own terms. Because in China, single women are under immense pressure to basically marry young or face the stigma of becoming a leftover. And just seeing the way in which there's such a difference of how women are supposed to hook up with people in China as opposed to how it is in Western society is crazy. The pressure is real from not only friends and family, but also the government to basically get married because you get shunned everywhere. And to see how much pressure is on these women to basically get that whole part of their life sorted is mental. You can't be your own person. You have to conform or face the wrath of people on a constant basis. And there are several scenes where people are getting into heated discussions and it gets really ugly really quickly. It's really sad, but also so very captivating just to see a different world and a different form of society and how their rules sort of impact the lives of women and men. And just to see how in some cases you have these sort of public speed dating events just to try and get people together or you even have parents who have the details of their children lined up in the street for you to go about and you know try to match mate for them it's mad but again so fascinating next up at number nine is Gretel and Hansel a film that again I wouldn't have been aware of had my uncle not brought it to my attention I thought this was an interesting little spin on the classic fairy tale involving Hansel and Grell going to the witch's house full of treats and all that sort of stuff. It has a very dark and supernatural kind of style to it and at points it reminded me of that Macbeth film that came out a few years ago with Michael Fassbender. It was eerie, constantly creepy and there was all sorts of strange imagery going on in the background and certain things that come to light towards the latter part of the movie. I thought everything about the film was odd and strange and wonderful. I really enjoyed the otherworldly soundtrack and the performances from the main cast was fabulous. I just really enjoyed this one and I think it's probably buried on a lot of people's radar but I would say give it a watch. Okay so next up at number 8 is The Devil All The Time, another film that I saw very recently but I also quite enjoyed. At first watching the film I was only just interested but as it went on it had me intrigued and by the final moments I was completely engaged. The film chronicles the lives of several individuals over the course of many years who have dealt with religion, violence and death. It's very interesting to see how all these stories sort of start up, stop but then come back and intersect and it's dark, twisted, cruel but also very engaging. There are those who wish to do good. There are also those who think they're doing good but aren't and then there are those who are straight up evil and seeing how these characters all sort of interact and then come to prominence throughout the film is great and going through this film and seeing these events play out is just intense uncomfortable and just wrong on a few occasions 
The film score is suitably ominous and the performances are stale from everybody involved, especially Bill Skarsgård, Robert Patterson who was just insane and really good in this film, Sebastian Stan and of course Tom Holland who did a great job as the central character. Alright, so at number 7 we have The Way Back, also known as Finding The Way Back, but I'm not calling it that latter title. Anyway, this film I had been looking forward to seeing for a while because it starred Ben Affleck as a alcoholic who had a chance at redemption. And considering what had happened in his real life and the reports we'd found out about like his alcoholism, I was like, maybe this felt like a you know therapeutic role for him. And I was pretty much captivated by the trailers. So when I got around to seeing this in the summer, I was surprised to find out how much I enjoyed it because while I do enjoy sports dramas and seeing people who have fallen off of the wagon and just want to try and reform and get better, I've never really been big into basketball myself, but for this film to you know captivate me the way in which it did, I just loved it. I thought Affleck was amazing, as he usually is. He carried the film really well and seeing his interactions with the kids on the team who want to basically you know just win something for once and seeing all the trials and tribulations he goes through and how he bears the team bears himself and so on and so forth it's stuff that you've seen before but it's handled so well and i found myself just captivated by the end i was very glad i watched it all right so at number six we have enola holmes another film that i meant to see a lot sooner but i just let time get away from me but i'm glad i saw it because this film was the definition of fun I had so much fun watching this film and Millie Bobby Brown oh my god if I didn't love her as Eleven already you know this just reinforces my love for her in this role she was captivating so in this film we have Enola Holmes who is the younger sister of Sherlock and Minecraft Holmes when her mother goes missing from their home she sets off on her own little adventure to basically find out what happened to her and while on this adventure she drops into another crazy conspiracy surrounding a young lord who is on the run and seeing how this story plays out was just great. It was uplifting, fun, empowering, and it had the suitable levels of danger, intrigue, and Alona as a character, I've never really been aware of her existence in any of like, you know, the literary senses, but she was great. She was this nice little detective who had her own thing and she wasn't taking crap from anybody. And I just loved the way in which she just navigated the world and had all this training, but then hadn't had an experience of the real world properly. So then she had to sort of navigate through that. I also loved Henry Cavill as Sherlock. This is a very different kind of Sherlock than what I'm used to, but I feel like he fit in the role pretty well. And seeing how Enola deals with the estranged relationship between her and her brothers, but then having this sort of connection with Sherlock that builds over the course of the film was great. Helen Bonacar, as usual, she's always great in things. And yeah, I just had a good time with this movie. It was fun, and the film score was delightful. All right, and with number five, we have The Five Bloods, directed by Spike Lee. Now, I know there was a big hullabaloo about this film when it showed up on Netflix back in the summer, but again, just due to my limited amount of time, I just didn't get around to watching it until today, surprisingly enough. But The Five Bloods, my God. Spike Lee knows how to hit you with the hard facts hit you with the emotions, really get you engaged and just captivated with what you're seeing on screen. His use of real world events, footage and photography 
and pictures of people that is integrated throughout the film really just makes you open your eyes and makes you intrigued to basically go beyond the film and do your own research, which I know I will be doing after this film. This is an interesting story that I believe most people wouldn't know about, but the way in which it was tackled was just so raw, intense, and has the emotional and dramatic flair that you would expect from a Spike Lee film. The performance of everybody involved was just ridiculously good. My two boys from The Wire, Clark Peters and Isaiah Whitlock Jr., they were fantastic. Jonathan Majors as David, he was really, really good as well. I also liked Melanie Thierry as Hetty, she was pretty cool. And Delroy Lindo, oh my god, he was a powerhouse in this film. I don't know if I've seen him in too many other films where he captivated me so well, but his character has so much stuff going on from his time in the war and feeding into the paranoia and problematic feelings that he has about going into this situation in this film. He was great. And of course, my beautiful boy, my best boy, Chadwick Boseman, while his role is a little bit more of a supporting role, he was integral to this film he was wonderful charismatic captivating and just as good as ever and this story about vietnam veterans who are going back to vietnam to search for the remains of their fallen leader and find gold is so captivating and interesting to me and i knew that there were going to be problems along the way but to see how things escalate get more intense scary and all sorts of crazy i did not expect that the film score for this film was also really excellent. Everything about this film was just super solid from start to end. Next up at number four is Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, a film that I had been interested in seeing for a while, but obviously after the passing of Chadwick, I had to see what was going on with it. And it ended up being one of my favorite films of this year. This, again, was another one of those sort of based on true story events that I wasn't aware of, but found absolutely captivating from start to end. This mainly takes place in a singular location and focuses on the conflict between Ma Rainey, a blues singer, and her trumpet player, who has ideas of basically trying to start up his own band and write music. There's a clash of ideals and changing of styles that wants to be done between the band members and the sound engineers, and there's all this stuff going on about the music industry and the complications of being black and trying to get your stuff out there and the performances from everybody involved were so good especially Viola Davis who was scarily good in her role and Chadwick Boseman who gave the performance of his life in this film being absolutely magnetic captivating fun and all sorts of intense and scary he was fabulous alright so at number three we have Soul from Pixar this is a film that I had been looking forward to for a while and I knew it would be good but I wasn't prepared for how deep it was going to go with the concept of the afterlife and finding out where personalities come from. Seeing all this crazy weird imagery that basically visualizes sort of you know where we go when we die, sort of how things are before we get to earth in the first place and the wonderful beautiful deep and thought-provoking messages that this film created through its story and its characters seeing joe as this talented person who basically just wants his one shot at using his talents but just has never gotten there until this point in time was just very relatable for someone like me who's a creative and just wants their shot to basically make something as well 
and also seeing the journey of 22, a character who basically just has never really gotten the idea of life and being on Earth, but then basically through this whole journey with Joe gets to see a different side of life that, you know, she wasn't aware of. She's sarcastic and strange and quite annoying on occasions, but they bounce off each other really well. Joe and 22's adventure is pretty cool. And obviously, as per usual with Pixar films, the music is great, but the visuals are stunning. Best looking Pixar film to date with this photorealistic look bouncing off of the established sort of character design quirkiness that you get to see from children's animated films, but this is taken to a whole nother level. There is interesting techniques used to visualize certain things, especially in the other world, great beyond material. So much fun. The voice cast was great. Everything about this film just brought joy to my soul. And while I wouldn't say it's like my favorite of the Pixar films, I would say it's within my top five for sure. All right, so at number two is The Trials of Chicago 7, which up until this month was my favorite film of the year. Anytime Aaron Sorkin works on something, I'm immediately interested. Since his time on the social network, I have been watching his career sort of just go and go and go. And especially after Bully's game, I was like, whatever else he, he decides to do, I'm in. And The Trials of Chicago 7 for me was very captivating, intriguing. It highlighted another part of history that I wasn't entirely aware of. A while, obviously, as they do with these sort of based on true life events, they change a few things up. I still found the story very captivating. Learning about these seven different people who are on trial during the uh, uprising that happened at the Democratic National Convention in Chicago was very interesting. And like I said before, like the performances in this film are stellar. Sasha Baron Cohen delivers one of the best performances I've ever seen from him. I also quite like Jeremy Strong, Eddie Redmayne, Yahya Abdul-Mateen, and Mark Rylance, and Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Everybody in this film brought their A-game, and Frank Langella, I have never been more scared of him in my life, but he was great in this film. Alright, so my number one film for this year happens to be Over the Moon, which is the Netflix animated film that was released back in the summer, I believe. Now, I can see a lot of you scratching your head saying, but why would you pick that over several of the previous films that you highlighted beforehand? A lot of those are a lot better, and yeah, I can definitely see that point of view. However, for me, Over the Moon represents this feeling of joy that I just didn't expect. It was all sorts of cute and funny, and it even had some additional depth that I was not expecting. It's very bright and very colourful, almost to a garish degree, but I feel like it had just this wonderful energy in its character design, its visuals, and it was very playful and interesting with some of the stuff that was going on, especially once they got to the moon and you got to see some of these other crazy creatures going on. And all of the different outfits that the main goddess wears are all very wonderfully stylized. And I love the music. I was not expecting this to be a proper classical Disney style musical, but the musical numbers were really cool, ranging from, you know, your standard classic anime kids material to some more modern sounding material which got really catchy and surprised me and obviously if you're not into that kind of music it probably won't do anything for you but for me I was vibing to it 100% I thought the voice cast was great and this story about a girl who basically builds a rocket ship to go to the moon to meet a mythical goddess who she's heard about in stories from her childhood it was typical yet very captivating, especially when you find out certain revelations toward the latter side of the film and how it concludes. 
it leaves you satisfied. And that's how I felt watching the film. It was just a satisfactory, super fun time from start to end. And I have to say, Gobi is one of my favorite characters ever. That guy is so fun and strange and delightful. I guess he's this film's equivalent of Olaf, but I found him way more fun. So yeah, I really enjoyed this film. It was a good time. Alright, and that is my top 10 film for 2020. There are a number of films I really wanted to see this year, but I just didn't get around to it. I guess when you have a lot of extracurricular activities, it makes watching films just a little bit more difficult. But let me know what you thought of my list in the comment section below, whether you liked it, whether you were confused by it, and let me know about your favorite films of the year as well. You can contact me again via the Twitters where I'm at Hypersonic 55 or at FilmFocus55. You can send an email at thehypersonic555 at gmail.com. And yeah, check out the WordPress blog, check us out on Facebook. And yeah, ladies and gentlemen, be safe, take care, have a good, happy new year transition into 2021. And yeah, man, I guess I'll be back doing more reviews and stuff like that in due course. We've got a lot of plans for 2021, and if I can pull it off, it will be a good time. Anyway, I'm out. Thank you for listening as always, and until the next time, this is the Hypersonic 55 signing out. Peace. Thank you.